0: up a welcome ASA. Oh my gosh, they are all going against the
1: wind. It was basically a cube with inside of sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching
2: outside of the sphere.
3: Is limited to the United
0: States. It's a worldwide phenomenon.
3: That UFO podcast is powered by ZenCaster. ZenCaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts. ZenCaster is a modern web based solution for high quality audio and video podcast production. With a full suite of professional tools, Zencaster allows podcasters to quickly and seamlessly record their guests remotely and produce their podcasts in studio quality. Check out the links in the show description to
1: find out more. Hey, this is Bryant Arnold, also known as Dragon from Skinwalker Ranch, and you're listening to That UFO Podcast.
3: Rolling on with part two of the listener call-in show. Dan's still with me. We have Harry joining us. Harry, how are we doing?
4: Hello, yeah, not too bad, thank you. Not too bad at all, just on my lunch. So awesome. yeah, yeah, nice to uh, nice to speak to you.
3: Yes, and it's Harry from Gamers Watch podcast as well, so make sure you it check that one out, people. Part of
4: the Quite the Thing media family.
3: Absolutely is, yeah. So you've got the links in the, the show description anyway, but I'll, I'll make sure. Um, Dan's going to make a note on the notes for me, and we'll pop in the Gamers Watch descri- uh, link in the description as well. But uh, Harry, you, much. you want to talk about your own experiences, don't you?
4: Yeah, so it wasn't initially what I was going to speak about on this call in. Um, the initial call in that I was going to have was going to be sort of my thoughts on linking consciousness with the phenomenon. And we had set the date, we'd set the time, and I sent you a DM saying, I need to change what we're talking about immediately because I had had an experience uh, from time of recording now, it was three days ago. And it was, uh, this is my third encounter or experience with what I now call a phenomenon. I didn't used to, I used to just say I'd saw a UFO, but my views and opinions have changed massively, mainly through listening to your show and hearing some of your guests discussing it on a more sort of consciousness based level. Um, it, it became apparent to me over the last year or so that whatever is happening is definitely linked with human consciousness. And I've got some thoughts on hallucinogenics and how that can link into consciousness but that's not directly within the uf the ufo and uap phenomenon but essentially the other day i there was an object that was 20 to 30 foot with no wings with no propulsion and with no rotor blades that appeared out of nowhere it was a bright white light that appeared over our heads and sat and hovered for about five seconds and I sort of spent about three or four seconds sort of trying to work out what it was and we were walking the dogs and my little boy was in his push chair, and he started moaning and started like making a bit of a fuss so I had to turn down to him very quickly to sort him out and while I turned and to look to my son my partner who is a skeptic who who thinks there might be stuff out there but doesn't believe in you know big shiny disks floating around, said, it's moving, it's moving. And I was sort of in this, as you probably know, this state where you're just, oh, my little one's making some noise. I need to make sure he's okay. And she said, it's vanishing. And as I turned around, this, this bright white object, it must have moved the entire span of the sky in maybe five or six seconds right over our heads there was no noise there was nothing coming from it um it was not a drone that was the first thing she said but this object just vanished behind the tree line and then never showed up it was too low to be a plane it was too low to be a helicopter and there was no noise the following day we went back to walk our dogs in the same place and funnily enough a helicopter went right over our heads and we could hear it clearly and we could see the the um the tail light flashing i have gone to the length of checking flight planners for the area that we were at. And at the time that we had the sighting, there were no planes, there were no helicopters and there were no commercial drones in the area. And this object moved too fast and it was too high to be, uh, just a normal average sort of, um, drone that you'd buy from Argos or something. It, it was unreal. My frustration, and I spoke about this a minute ago is that I had to turn away for a few seconds, but, even then, I can't explain what it was that we saw. Uh, I don't believe that there's little green men in these big craft that watching us, but there was something that happened that me and my partner both saw. And through talking about it for the last three days, we do not know what it was. We've got no idea. And the reason that I say it links with consciousness is because I was telling her, oh, I'm going to be on that UFO podcast doing the call-in. And as we were discussing that this light appeared as if from nowhere directly in front of us over our heads and i don't think that those two things can be discounted Um, i've done it in the past we've all done it gone into our garden and said "Oh, i wish something would show up and you see a small light or a shooting star this was me actively discussing the phenomenon and my ideas of oh i'm going to be talking about consciousness and how it links together and how There are people that sort of like will these things into existence. And there's the video of the guy in Las Vegas who made the orb appear out of nowhere. And I was talking about these things. And then this object appeared and it terrified my partner a little bit. And we just didn't know what the hell it was. And we spent the, we've spent the next three days. It's all we've been able to talk about. It's unreal. I can't, I cannot believe it. And I saw it.
3: Well, thanks for sharing for a for a start on these, and I appreciate when anyone comes on to talk about their experiences. Um, again, it's that frustration of it happens so quickly. You, you you didn't obviously take any pictures or videos of it, no. But it just I discounted
4: it as a helicopter. If I'm honest, the first like couple of seconds, I was like, oh, it's just a helicopter overhead, and it was only when I was turned away and she was saying, "It's it's vanishing, it's vanishing," that I thought, "I can't hear anything," and it happened so quickly. Even if I had my phone on me, the picture quality of digital cameras, It like I would have just taken a picture of a blob in the sky. And I hate when people post pictures on our UFOs of just a random light in the sky. Um, you talk about it all the time. You need more than one point of reference. So yeah. I don't believe people, I don't expect people to just believe what I'm saying because I'm saying it. But even if I had taken a picture, it it would have just been useless. It would have been worse than useless. It would have just looked like a light in the sky. Um, so that, that wouldn't have brought anything to it. But it, it just, for me, cements the fact this phenomenon is linked to consciousness. I was consciously talking about objects that I've seen previously, about lights I've seen in the sky, about an experience I had with a friend of mine where an object appeared out of the ocean and then this object appeared. And through speaking to another listener of mine who listens to my show, he's had a very similar experience where he saw a tic-tac about five, 10 years ago. And he, again, it's burned into his memory. This, this sighting that he had where he can remember the exact street he was on, where he was, who he was with. He remembers running down the street to his parents. And I've got that same feeling with this sighting is that I, I remember everything from where I was stood to what, direction i was facing to what my son was doing to where the dogs were i could tell you everything in that field all at the same time and it's just seared in my mind uh, what was going on harry just uh, yes
3: Just cool. before I bring Dan in, because I think Dan's going to maybe have a question on it as well. You, you said you were with your partner and she's very sceptical of the subject. And I wish I could say it was just mm-hmm. some really good advertising for the podcast that when you talk about it, something appears above your head, but obviously it was just I know, I know. <laughs> something happened. But what she said in the days since as well, does she still talk about it or has her interest kind yes. of faded a little bit?
4: She is still talking about it. She doesn't because we we walk the dogs. It's a place in um, Devon called Team Grace. And Devon is quite well known for UFO sightings anyway, because people go up to Dartmoor and they see objects quite a lot. Um, but we were in this field in a place called Team Grace, and it's where we go every single day to walk the dogs. And every time we go back there, when we get to that same spot, we've been there four times since. When we get to the same spot where we see the object, she says, I still don't know what that was. And she's listened to me bang on about Lou Elizondo and Bob Lazar for the last. Five or six years. She's heard me talk about ATIP and the UFO Task Force report. And she believes that there's something out there, but she doesn't believe there's something here. So yeah, she she's still very skeptical. She won't outright say, like, oh, we saw a UFO. But I've said to her, it was, can you identify it? No. What was it doing? It was flying. And was it an object? Yes. She still Talks about it the same with the same sort of curiosity that she had when we first saw it. And yeah, she is still thinking about it, and we are still sort of trying to put the pieces together and figure it out. I think for her, she's just trying to work out what
1: it was that she saw.
3: Cool. Dan wants to come out on this one as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, first of all, I just wanted to say, well done for doing the basics and checking like flight planners and stuff like that. because yeah. A lot of people can fall into the trap of just assuming that something weird they see is definitely
4: Starlink alien. is the worst no. thing in the
1: world <laughs> right it's, it's crazy and like i i love stargazing so i love kind of learning about what's up there but i appreciate that not everyone does and some things no, that i mean are a bit strange got, to i don't people.
4: Know if you can see it but i've got a uh, a tattoo cool. of a telescope on my arm so i'm into my stargazing i yeah. know what to look for cool. i know what to not look for
1: yeah that's great and and i'm i'm glad as well that you 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 know it was a double witness event with someone Mm -hmm. who was skeptical and you guys have each other to help talk through it now. Right. And and it's great that you're kind of a little bit initiated, so you can talk to her about it, but she's kind of like you were after your first sighting, probably kind of a lot of questions, doesn't really know her brain probably feels like it's grasping at something that's just out of reach, you know? Um, but the, the intention thing's interesting to me because it comes in a lot with human initiated contact. Right. Um, And I do the same, you know, if I'm, if I'm thinking I'm going to go out and I want to see something for about a week before it, I'll think of it and I'll picture the opening of contact in reverse, you know, where the kind of the planet, we zoom out from the planet to kind of say, I'm here, come see me, you know, essentially, if that's how it works, you you know, I've, I've had results. Um, But I'm curious, are you guys going to go out and try again?
4: A hundred percent. I'll be every single time that we go and walk our dogs in that place. At that same time, I will be willing that object back funnily enough, I've always been quite sceptical of the sort of remote contacting. Um, I've always sort of, I'm a very scientific person in nature, so I like facts and figures. It's why I don't really like browsing on our UFOs and our aliens and high strangeness that much, because a lot of it is anecdotal, which is ironic because that's exactly what I'm doing right now. But I've always been sort of sceptical of a certain individual, say, who, used, who came out in September of 2001 and had a big press conference and now is in the desert selling trips to people for thousands of dollars, I've always been a bit sceptical of that side of it. But now, with this experience I had a few days ago, all I can think of is that in my mind, I have been talking about UFOs to myself. I've been talking about the phenomenon to myself and to everybody that sort of I talk with on social media is like oh I'm going to be on that UFO podcast and wouldn't it be great if I had another site in and wouldn't it be great if I could talk about this so in my mind consciously not even subconsciously consciously I have been thinking about this phenomenon for about a week now and I can't think of any other reason why this object appeared other than the fact that it
1: was consciously there for me to see it. There there are interesting implications, right? For you know, if what we're talking about is true, that you Mm -hmm. can kind of, you know, essentially summon these things a certain place at certain times if you kind of give a run up. Um, with the media cycle as it is, kind of, you know, bumping up UFO news, there are lots more people like us out there having experiences like this, and there are a lot more people starting to think about it as well. So, you know. I just wonder, is it going to lead to, you know, maybe a mass sighting or something like that? It's exciting to think about.
4: I think that it will get to a point where so many people are having so many experiences that we will get that gotcha moment. I know that everyone says they want that moment where the UFO lands on the White House lawn. I think there will be in the next few years, there will be something that happens that is just too irrefutable. And whether that be something like the Phoenix Lights. If the Phoenix Lights happen now, it would get so much more press coverage. I mean, I talk to people who are interested in this phenomenon who don't know about things like the Phoenix Lights. They don't know about things like Rendlesham Forest. And there has to be, I think, in the next few years, something big. Maybe it will happen on Catalina, possibly, where somebody with lots of witnesses sees something that is caught. This object that I saw the other day, it clearly wanted to be seen. It was bright, blinding white. It was brighter than the sun in the sky. And this this wasn't a nighttime experience either. This was daytime, and it still lit the sky up. It was the focal point of the sky. That thing wanted to be seen. Like, I I feel like there will be a moment where we see something mass sighting.
3: Harry, just as we run out of time, I just want to quickly get your final thoughts. So having had this experience as recently as you've had and it kind of changing or or cementing that the consciousness side of things is linked to these experiences as well, how does it change your own interest in the subject going forward, if at all? Is it going to change how you think about it, how you look into 100%. it? hundred percent.
4: Yeah, it's, it's going to open my eyes to people that I normally would have dismissed. It's going to open my eyes to experiences that normally I may not have looked into and it's going to make me, I, I would still say that I'm a skeptic because I don't just believe everything on, on demand. If somebody shows me a picture on Reddit, it doesn't mean that it's real, but it will, for me, open up avenues of interest that previously I might not have looked at, definitely. And I, I won't be so quick as to dismiss the story of somebody who said, I want something to appear and it did. Uh, so it's only good for me, to be honest.
3: Awesome. Harry, uh, Harry from Gamers Watch Podcast. Make sure if you're into your gaming, you check that one out, folks. But Harry, thanks for sharing your experience, mate. It's been good thanks, talking Harry. to you.
1: Thank
4: you very much, guys.
1: Thank you to Harry from Gamers Watch. Some, uh, some excellent conversation there. And we're now live with Joe from Ohio. How are you today, Joe?
2: Oh, pretty good. I appreciate you guys doing this. Uh, this is a, a fan of your show. I'll be honest, a little bit newer to it. I've only started watching and listening back in, March of this year, but a uh, big fan of the show. Appreciate you guys doing something like this.
1: Cool. Thank you. That's kind of you to say. Uh, we're also here with Andy, by the way. So that compliment goes to you too, Andy.
3: Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan of the show as well. So thanks, Joe. Yeah, <laughs> sure.
1: So what did you want to talk about today, Joe?
2: Um, well, I, I plan to bring up a couple of things that uh, have been on my mind of late, uh, which it seems kind of uncanny with the, the recent news. But um, something that I've always wondered ever since this started to gain traction uh, from 2017 uh, was how other nations that have experienced this, since this is a global phenomenon, um, UAPs, how other nations haven't been, you know, forthcoming with the information as well. Because it's almost like, you know, from the, the old-fashioned stance of prisoners dilemma like i i I wondered if that maybe took into play here with why other nations haven't been forthcoming with their information and and i get that there's you know geopolitical uh, impacts to it and and maybe there was a race for trying to understand the tech um, to gain an advantage so that those those tech come into play but i've always wondered essentially why is the u.s the first to talk about this and if this is you know been going on for as long as it seems to have been going on. Um, how other nations haven't been more forthcoming with the information? You would think at least one of them would be, you know. And and I know France has been somewhat more forthcoming than other nations in terms of um, their cases and, and scientific inquiry into them. Um, but that's something that's been really interesting to me. And I, I feel free to leave leave this open for you guys to to comment or respond now, but
3: yeah um no it's it's a good question joe and it's funny i was speaking to one of my work colleagues this morning who has a, a passing interest in the subject and she is um She's really interested in UFOs, but doesn't know a lot about it. And she's listened to the podcast recently, and it goes way over her head, some of the stuff we're discussing, you know, because we're we're talking about so much more than other aliens coming from other planets. And she asked me the question earlier, why is it just the United States that seem to talk about this? Mm. And I I said, you know what, I I don't think it is, but I just think we hear more noise from the U.S. being a, a much bigger country, having the population it does. Um, it's the kind of the head of the Western world, like whether people like that or not, It is. it's the kind of hub um, it's had, it's had Hollywood as a, as a huge, you know, an industrial complex or whatever you want to call it for years. And Hollywood has driven a lot of the conversation through movies and TV shows. So I think again, it's just that centralized place for it. The, the U S military is the highest spending on the planet. So you, that would make sense. It has the best equipment. It has the best sensors, and it's probably the the first that we really heard discuss it openly. I mean, I, I mentioned to her that that famous headline in Roswell was the U.S. Army confirmed did capture a flying saucer, and then they very quickly retracted their statement because they realised, oh, we shouldn't have said that; it was a weather balloon. And uh, that that was again very telling. So they've kind of always been at the front of this, and I suppose some of the other bigger nations, if you're talking China, Russia. Uh, and others have always been a little bit more private in anything they do, whereas the US as a nation is a bit more brash and confident or cocky in some ways that the US doesn't mind coming out and being the forefront and showing off its latest technology or, you know, it's the, the, the home home the brave land of the free, free speech, you know, the American dream. So if any country was going to lead that conversation for me it just makes sense it's the u.s um and i get why a lot of other countries maybe stay quieter on it dan do you want to get share any thoughts on that yeah
1: it it makes me think of you know a few times i forget who said it now tom lou you, you know that group uh they've spoken about the fact there are heroes we don't really know about and i wonder if those people are the ones you know doing the diplomatic stuff between the countries and doing the things that we you know don't get don't get to hear about if there are materials exchanged um or you know crash recoveries that maybe the uk had that america needs to help with you know there's a lot of people uh you, you know a chain of people that news goes through that can go very wrong um so there could be you know there could well be some international cooperation in, in places already um we saw the japan uh japanese task force and program get set up off the off the bat of uh, I forget the official's name, but the, an American official visited, and then all that news came out. Um, we also have China coming out now. Uh, we we know they've got the UN initiative uh, with a uh, I think it's the Five Continents Initiative, um, and probably a an as well. Um, but it's interesting, kind of mixing because in one corner of the news, you know, when you're kind of hearing about potential wars and you, you know <laughs> adversaries and stuff. US, it's the U.S. versus China, the U.S. versus Russia, you know, the, the West versus the East, almost. Um, whereas it feels different when we're talking about ISA and all those kind of things. You know, the the people involved in that are really game for progress. Um, so I'm intrigued to see, you, you know, chi- China are a powerhouse, and I'm I'm curious to see what they're going to do here because they've got to be aware of how it looks as well. You know, um, Andy touched on something important, which is that I'm not sure that. Other countries in the world have like the same sensors and capabilities as the US, but in the the new bill, there was some talk about allies sharing that data or sharing data with allies. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, maybe the next UAPTF report starts talking about stuff that they sensed over Britain with their satellite networks and they never spoke to the UK about it. You know, they there could be huge ramifications for for not helping people with their airspace. Um, the next step is definitely the UN, um, and NATO and kind of other countries. And, and personally, I'm really looking forward to hearing from some countries that we haven't heard from yet. Another one I'd mention is, um, I think it was Argentina. Um, and there was a kind of a task force set up there right after blue book closed that used a lot of the same information, um, that blue book did. Um, that was, it talks about in unidentified, um, and the U S government were actually involved in helping set that up. So it's super interesting, right?
3: I also have a question um, for, for Joe. I'm just actually uh, checking some stats on this, but what I'm going to ask it first, okay? That sure. Does the language barrier play a part in this as well, that there will be tons of other stories and reports and newspaper articles and clippings out there, but we, especially in the English-speaking world, are, are the ones that don't necessarily pick up a lot of other languages, whereas those in other countries that have italian spanish dutch french german you know russian chinese tend to learn english um and from a very young age that we, we just don't see this stuff because we can't read it and we don't go and find it and we stick to that more you know it's in english so we can find it that way and that does limit you to the uk australia new zealand the us and, and a spattering of other smaller nations so again the US probably as a population dominates that conversation just from a language point of view as well um, and that if you do go looking for it you will find stuff but how many of us honestly go in and uh, I suppose only recently with the advent of Google Translate and things like that you can copy and paste a paragraph of information and get a rough translation of it even,
1: but again, even then though you know the, the, the most recent article from China about them applying AI to it talked about UAP, the, the name they used for them was um, Unidentified Air Condition, um, which no one's searching for that term to say about UFOs. <laughs> and it's just a result of the the algorithms translating, you know? Um, so even with the best intentions, we, it, it's really hard to find things sometimes.
3: And I've just no, I, checked, I, apparently uh, 4.83% of the world speak English as a first language. So you're, you're potentially limiting yourself to 4.83% of any research out there.
2: No, I, I totally get that. Um, it, 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 I understand that. You know that that's a great point, actually, uh, Dan, with the, the language barrier. Um, I, I guess I, I'll pivot this slightly. I, what I meant to say was not that you know that these other countries aren't experiencing these. And, and sure, what what you're indicating is probably coming into play. I guess where I, where I was going with is, and, and I agree that you know the other point about the U S sensor data potentially being better and and things of that nature. But you would think that given the enormity of the phenomenon of what, you know, current information portends towards um, we would have at least one nation maybe be completely forthcoming with the information that they do have, you know, and I know that the U S is maybe going towards this path now, but I, I just think it was kind of interesting that over the course of all of this time that you didn't have, maybe with the out with the exception of France, a nation that was pretty open about you know its cases and um, the science behind it and what it's done. And, and, I, and I always say that because you know growing up, I, I was I'm a I'm an engineer and electrical engineer, and growing up I, I always was interested in science and I read, you know, UFO books when I was growing up in middle school and and high school a little bit. But ultimately until 2017 happened, I kind of, you know, thought maybe possibly, but I needed some hard science. And, you know, that's, that's what reignited me was seeing some of the actual data and, and listening to the cases that we have lots of, you know, Set, not just the human testimony, right? You have the sensor data to collaborate it. And, um, you have got if for example, I don't, I know this probably didn't get a whole lot of attention, but that 2019, um, entropy journal, uh, uh, peer reviewed article that was created that it was, on. Uh, um, estimating anomalous or estimating flight characteristics of anomalous aerial vehicles, or I think that was the, the term, but, um, they got into the data on the, the Nimitz incident and, and seeing the kinematics setup um, and the probability density function, which I'm not going to get too deep into, but from my background, that was pretty powerful to see. Um, I, I just would have expected there would have been some sort of, you know, scientific data dump from some, uh, bigger case or some country in the past. And and I'm sure there's probably reasons that are not yet known as to why, but it makes me wonder.
3: Yeah, I get, I get your point. You're, you're saying, like, uh, if I'm reading this then, that why haven't Italy or Germany or the UK came out and said, you know what, there's something going on. Here's what we have found from it so far, and we'd like to have a conversation. But I suppose, again, it's like, why, why has no one really done that? Because the stigma has been there. Uh, and if you look back, what... It, Before the the 40s, 50s, there probably wasn't a whole lot to go on anyway. And as you start to get the advent of the nuclear age and more and more sightings and technology getting better, you're narrowing it down to that kind of 50 or 60 years where the conversation has just been that. And I imagine in the background, this is just my own opinion, what tends to happen is given the US with Roswell and, and that sort of stuff had those first major Press releases and you know talking about it, and then the cover up stories and everything like that. Have other countries, whenever they have had any incidents or issues, reached out to the US? Or in the background,
1: we can can provably say yes, they did. Uh, uh, (laughs) There's a case where Canada had what they couldn't something they couldn't identify um and they actually took it to malmstrom airbase for them to study it and gave it to the us and said look what this is and it turned out it was just a satellite but point is they were given a uap to them to the us
3: yeah so I, i think what happens joe is in the background these things happen and again the these countries corroborate and do you know what i would even wonder at times at some level does the us and russia and china some way talk to each other and go look this isn't us and they go, yep, and it's not us either. And maybe that's where the conversations stop. However, it's almost just a confirmation that it wasn't us flying over your nuclear silos that we heard about, yeah, and it wasn't us flying over yours. And maybe for security reasons, that's where it stops and you hear about the race for this technology and which country wants to have it first. And it's the really good point, and Chris Mellon made that one recently, didn't he, when the Chinese uh, rocket had basically crash-landed on like a piece of road in the middle of somewhere after another failed space launch. And he said, this is the country that people are claiming potentially have incredible technologies flying about our our mm-hmm. Navy vessels. Um, no, they are playing catch up with us. And the US are coming out and saying as the big spenders, it's it's a swallowing your pride admission that this is not our technology. We would love it to be, but it's not. And the countries that are behind us, it's not theirs either. Because if it was, then surely China, who who would want that control worldwide, would turn around and go, do you know what, privately, we could stick nuclear weapons over every one of your major cities within seconds and you could do nothing about it. So let's play ball for, from our point of view. Same with Russia and the same with the US, but none of them do. And that for me would be the biggest indicator that this is definitely not US, Russian and Chinese and for me it keeps enough of the the worry and ambiguity in the background that they keep it quiet because h- how do you have that conversation openly and we're, we're seeing that kind of drip now aren't we, um, that it's hopefully coming out more and more and more I still would not be shocked if in a few years time we still don't have disclosure as people are expecting it or wanting it but that we're just further down the road with the conversation, perhaps even in five years time that it's more accepted in mainstream science that we are attempting to study and capture more aspects of this phenomenon but that's just my opinion
1: what um what for for you joe would be you know you said 2017 kind of played an important part in kind of making you a bit more curious in a, in a serious way what what would be the next step up for you you know, would would them kind of give in, say, a 10-centimeter square piece of the material to scientists to study, you know, kind of open the floodgates for you? Or would you want more than that?
2: Well, I, I know that there already um, are ongoing efforts. I know it was the peer-reviewed piece. I've been waiting for this to come out with uh, Jacques Vallée's collaboration. with Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was supposed to come out this summer, but we're getting near the end of the summer at this point. I, I'm not sure when it's going to come out. But, yeah, I, I am eagerly awaiting... Um, information like that—that—that's um, honestly, probably, in my opinion, the next part of this conversation is having that type of data be be made available. Um, something I'd like to see, but I know is probably less likely to happen, is information that no longer needs to be classified. For example, maybe information or, or uh, material intelligence, whatever you want to use, sensor data that's a lot older, maybe systems the U.S. doesn't even use anymore. So there would be no reason to 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 classify the data. Um, I, I'd like to see some of those corroborating uh, evidence coming out for certain cases. I don't know that we'll see that, but yeah, that that's the next thing. I'd, I'd like to see some, you know, more in depth scientific study on on actual material. And, and I know that's in process, but I, that's a, what I'm waiting for. <laughs> there,
1: there are some things going through. I think it's the Department of Energy as of February 2022. They they currently they're under their own own. Um, oversight committee so whatever they decide they want to keep from everyone else they get to keep from everyone else but that changes in february um and they're held to the same oversight as everybody else there's also a few space force kind of classification reviews going through so i'm hoping that they're kind of linked to the bills that we're seeing and and you, you know there's going to be a few classification changes so we can see the kind of data that you're referring to it would be wild
3: i agree but joe uh we're out of time on that one but some really good points there absolutely fair fairly made as well and it's one of those that right now we can only speculate on really so uh hopefully you call in again in the near future and uh obviously we get some of that data that you're looking at as well would be good
2: thanks so much appreciate your time support for that
3: ufo podcast is brought to you by manscaped who are the best in men's below the waist grooming manscaped offer precision engineered tools for your family jewels Manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive listener offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code AndyUFO at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free worldwide shipping with promo code AndyUFO. Manscaped engineered Ultimate Groin and Body Trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce any close encounters thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my tic-tacs. Get 20% off on free shipping with the code ANDYUFO at manscaped.com from joe in ohio we go to joe in london joe welcome to the podcast how are you doing
5: i'm um, very good thank you uh thank you for having me on andy and dan it's uh it's great to um to be on i've been listening to the show um almost a year now and uh really looking forward to it every every time you uh post a new podcast and i'm on the discord channel as well which is really good ah, thank you that's kind nice. of easy to say
1: yeah,
3: the Discord's a, a fun community to be a part of as well. Uh, again, if you're on the Apple Premium or, or Patreon, you get access to the Discord, which is a fun place to chat. Um, so, yeah, thanks for thanks for doing that, Joe. Um, Joe, you want to talk about a couple of different topics, one being uh, channelers and people who channel different entities and beings. And then we're going to look at CE5 events as well. Um, so, yeah, go for it. The floor is yours.
5: Yeah, sure. So um, uh, I, when I first started looking into... Um, uh, well, I was looking on YouTube and, and listening to a lot of various uh, channelers that uh, have various videos, one called uh, Magenta Pixie and the one's Lori Ladd and Phil Phil Good. Um, and then recently I've been uh, just read a book by uh, Elena Danan, who has a, a book called Alien Races, and she channels someone called Thoran, who um, who gave her a lot of information about the various alien races out there, um, talking about a thing called the Sikar Empire, which apparently is... <laughs> Uh, largely responsible for a lot of the, a lot of the uh, the shadow government and the, lot of the dark things happening. I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on, on that, and whether whether you had sort of um, been looking into that at all, because I, I don't hear a lot about sort of channelers on here. And I wondered if they had got sort of credibility amongst the kind of UFO community as much.
3: So I'll be really honest when it comes to to this kind of stuff, and I suppose you've got to put it in the the same basket as things like remote viewing. Um, to a point where remote viewing is one of those incredible things that I've just had the Deborah Katz interviews on yeah, and um, got some really good feedback. But I've also had people get in touch who just don't buy into either the person in uh, Deborah or the the idea of remote viewing and what it entails. And it's an incredible thing that you know one day, if proven to be one hundred percent a real phenomena, is just mind blowing and and world changing and everything else. What you do get with remote viewing is an element of results where it can be tested and lab tested, um, and, and that's great, and that's what gives that some level of... I'm going to use that word credibility, Joe, that you've used, because the issue that happens with channeling beings is the results part of it, that it's one of those where it can be really interesting to listen to, but off the back of someone being in contact with or channeling another entity. There's very little, if any, proof or evidence that one, they actually are. Or if they are, off the back of that, anything that you can tangibly prove, this is, yeah. it's really happening because this happened or there was this prediction made. Or even just, again, the Anjali topic at the minute is quite pertinent online where yeah. she's claiming that she actually has, you know, she's seen these beings in a mountain in the Mojave Desert. And I suppose we're going to find out sooner than later whether that's true or not, because she says she's going there with a team.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: You could go tomorrow. And <laughs> that would put an end to it with a camera. Um, And we'll see what happens with that particular story. For me, I've got to put it in the case of, you know, I've talked before about hearing people who have, time traveled or jumped to mars and spent time on mars or remote viewed other planets until there's something we can prove it's got to be one of those i find interesting to listen to but i've got reservations on a lot of it but i can see why people do find it interesting i don't know about dan what about yourself on the idea of of channeling
1: i am i try and watch some channelers because i find it's it's one of the more challenging aspects of the subject, right? And and I, I think that people should challenge themselves. Um, we were talking yesterday, Andy, about the idea of stuff like downloads and channeling as kind of inspiration and creativity coming through to different degrees. Um, and I, I find it curious for that reason. You know, uh, those people kind of get ideas that are much more intense than us, so they just feel like they're coming from that different place and they interpret them that way. I I don't know. I think it's really interesting. Um, yeah. And as, as someone that kind of, you know, partakes in the whole C 5 thing and and remote viewing, it's it's something that, you know, I dig further and further into when uh, I've said to certain people in the past that sometimes when you're, a good example is the Foo Fighters, which I did with Olaf Graham's book. It's um, that, you know, part of that just came through whole and it was like, where's this idea come from? You know, is, is this what people refer to when they talk about downloads and it just appears in your head. Um, so, so it's, yeah, it's something I'm interested in. I don't really have any hard answers. I think this is kind of the bleeding edge yeah. of what we're getting at, isn't it? Um, but is that the the group you spoke about the C5 group um, UK based, obviously, is that like, do they have a discord or a Twitch or anything like that for people to join if they want to kind of start partaking in something actionable?
5: So. Um... Yeah, I've, uh, last year I um, used the uh, the app that Stephen Greer put out, uh, for c 5 which allowed me to sort of network with some local people. And I got in touch with um, a couple of people who were um, near to me in southeast London. And um, I sort of uh, said, do you want to meet up? And uh, one of them um, was quite enthusiastic about it and ended up um, creating a Facebook group. Um, and just through various contacts, he's managed to grow it. Um, it's I think it's 1,600 people on there now which is from a year and it's just and he's seeing more and more people come in and I'm one of the admins so I get to see how quickly you know it's sort of growing so um yeah on, on the side of, on the on the CE5 side of things I'm I'm seeing it grow a lot I'm seeing I'm also involved in quite a few events so um I've been to uh, a couple of events in the local area I'm going to one this weekend in Kent and I'm going I went to one in Avery not long ago and these events where you have maybe 10, 15 people and they all get together and they sort of try and initiate contact. And we've seen, we have seen some crazy stuff. And, you know. And a,
1: Avery, for people that are watching, that's like Stonehenge, right? Uh,
5: well, it's, it's so on it the same near, sort of line of, sort of um, that goes through that, but it's, it's a bit further north. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, we've got some interesting stories, but there's no kind of, um, I guess, central place to put it and sort of, to have that information available to be part of the sort of the disclosure because I, I, I believe that disclosure is coming is going to happen from the ground up not from from the top down. Um because I, I just think they're all playing games <laughs> at the top or they're not allowed to really uh you know say say what they probably want to say. So yeah I just wondered if you if you knew much about the CE5 stuff and-
1: we, we almost need like uh you know a miniaturized version of Skyhub for ce fibers to take yeah. with them and just set up next to them so they can start gathering hard data when they're interacting mm-hmm. um but there's certainly you, you know we've seen with skinwalker there's definitely an aspect of if you know the computer is recording then the phenomena knows and it'll break the camera you know you, you kind of <laughs> have to allow for these weird idiosyncrasies in, in collecting data um i i don't know how we solve it but i think we're getting to a place where the right people are asking those questions like having Loeb kind of making his sensor set and Lou talking about these simple sensors that we can use whatever that is um you know we we could be on the cusp of a revolution here
5: Joel sure, can no, I, I ask I definitely see it happening a lot of more people are more open to the idea and, and don't they don't ridicule you when you you know when I talk to people who aren't involved in c5 and I mention it they don't sort of yeah say oh that's a load of nonsense they, they might be interested but and some of them aren't and that's fine but some of them are and want to know more and the, the idea of uh, discussing or trying to make contact with other beings out there doesn't um yeah it doesn't get you into trouble so that, that and that's 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 a great sign for um seeing I, I definitely feel in my lifetime i will um see yeah full disclosure i think i'll be able to talk to anyone on the street about it if i wanted um and just yeah n- know that uh <laughs> We're in contact with with these beings, whether they're interdimensional or on other other planets, whatever it is. Yeah,
3: Joe. Whether whether it's channeling or or CE five or anything else, like I I've talked online about that video that's been doing the rounds again from Reddit of the I don't know if you've seen the the saucer basically beside the wing of the F eighteen apparently of which what it is. Um, um,
5: I may have done, yeah. It's there's in the been Discord Quite a few chip. videos like that, that. Yeah, something seem quite fake, but I think there's
3: one recently, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, and that's my point. Okay, you've said it seems quite fake, and it does. But no one knows what real looks like. What yeah. we see in the Navy videos is something at quite a distance, or it's an image of a heat signature or lack of a heat signature, and that's what we have as authentic at the moment. We don't know if that video of that saucer is real or not because we don't actually know if, if that's what one of those looks like, then that is what one of those looks like. But we, we just don't know. So we could be looking at stuff that's fake and declaring it fake. And that includes photographs or videos, or it includes people telling us they know that there are beings in mountains, or it includes channelers who are who are channeling beings. And as crazy as that might sound, we don't know that any one of these channelers is is right because maybe that's what is happening to that person and maybe that's what those downloads sound like and maybe that's yeah. how it comes through so it's really hard to say one way or another and it would be hypocritical for me to say all channelers are, are talking nonsense one because i don't know but two because i can't look at different ufo footage and declare something's things real or fake when i've never actually seen what does 100 genuine real flying saucer for example look yeah. like um so it's it's one of those where I do sit on the fence with it and I want to know with your your CE5 group have you ever tried to film anything has any of the group filmed the stuff that you've been looking at
5: um, yeah I actually I'm probably the one that um the guy that has these the camera <laughs> that I I take with me it's a night vision camera um and I've seen loads of stuff that, that, that I'm I want to get a better camera to be honest because when I look back at the footage later I try and look at it as if I was um, a complete skeptic and I, and I haven't quite convinced myself that I've got the you know the perfect footage but I've seen crazy like um like lots of lights sort of appearing and then sort of merging together in, in ways and and then flashing um at various times and you just when you're there and you're having the experience it's not just about what you see it's about the whole experience and the energies around you and the people and um i feel that i feel that something's happening but you can't convey that completely in a in a in a in a video footage um So, for me, um I'd happily share it with people who are interested. But I think the best way to have the experience is not through look, watching my videos that I've taken, but is to actually get involved and and go out there and actually do it yourself with various people. Because I feel the more people you have, the better the experience is as well.
3: I think that's a good attitude to have and a good place to be in and that approach. Just in closing, then, uh, Joe, what's the name of the Facebook group if people want to join? Uh,
5: just uh, C 5 UK.
3: Yeah, awesome. We'll put the links uh, for that in the show description as well. So if anyone wants to to join, especially if you're in the UK as well and can can get along to one of these, then that that would be awesome. Um, yeah. to get I'm along with Joe and the group. The
5: yeah,
3: yeah, brilliant. Uh, Joe, listen, really good call. I appreciate that. That's just the end of the time, but uh, it's been really good speaking with you. And thanks for the point.
2: Thanks very
3: much. Next on the line, we're going to head over from London to Iowa. We have Alex on the line. H- uh, how are we doing, Alex? Great. Great to be here really good to have you on the podcast as well um i've got dan still joining us too which is awesome i have I to point that out because dan just dips out now and again and especially when we're called <laughs> it's good to have him on for the full time uh, alex the floor is yours what do you want to talk about
6: um i uh, was trying i uh, was hoping to kind of pick your guys's brand and what you think sort of the end game might be as far as technology is concerned um i feel like now kind of the assumption going forward at least for me is that we, as in our various government entities, are in possession of alien technology. I think that the, what we heard yesterday, the big bombshell that came out as far as, uh, you know, what the, the next house bills are that are coming out and the language in those. I mean, it's not they didn't say, hey, we have this stuff, but they basically said, hey, we have this stuff. Um, so I'm just kind of wondering at this point how. How do we think this is going to end up playing out? How is that technology going to end up being a, uh, a known thing that the government says, here, here is this, here is that, whatever. Is it going to be something that they try and keep under wraps for a long time because they're not sure uh, if other elements out there have it? Is it something that's going to take a, a large-scale war for them to kind of keep their their cards close to their chest before they have to show these things? Or or kind of what do you think maybe that would look like?
3: I, I could talk about this for a long time, but it wouldn't be very coherent and it just blah. So I've got a yeah. lot of thoughts on this. And Dan, we talked about it on one of the what-ifs recently as well. Like There's so many different components to the technology side of things that you've got the the weaponization aspect of it, which I'm sure any worldwide military would love to have a tic-tac. And we on one of the earlier calls, we spoke to one of the listeners, and just the idea that this is potentially American, Russian or Chinese is is ludicrous because if it was one of those superpowers who and it wouldn't be anyone else, let's be honest, then they have the upper hand on the, their their counterparts because if you are China and you have a tic-tac, let alone a fleet of them, you can fly a nuclear weapon over any American state or Russian state within seconds and no one could do anything about it. So you have the ultimate deterrent to which nuclear weapons are a bit of a waste of time. So it just, for me, seems crazy that it would be any of those. So you've got the weaponization aspect of it, and I I think that's what any of them would like. The, The the blue sky, love and light stuff. I think love and light's becoming a, a phrase, isn't it? But the the happy the happy way to look at it would be we're going to get new medicines, new technologies to make things easier. Commercial travel would be easier. You know, we're going to get replicators like in Star Trek. But just if, if the UFO lands on the White House lawn tomorrow and the government come out and say, yep, we've got this tech, doesn't change overnight because can they replicate it in a big scale? Maybe it takes them 50 years to to back-engineer one black triangle to a point they can use that technology. So for me, the the big focus has to be weaponry. Not from my point of view. I'm not making weapons, but I think any government looking at this technology and going after it, it's for that kind of... Now You've used the word endgame, and I just think Avengers endgame. And it's it's just unfortunately that kind of weaponizing aspect of it. Like, can you win a war? Whoever gets the tech, the race for the tech is... Has the power and the control? Unfortunately, um, for for everyone else. Dan, what about yourself?
1: Yeah, I mean, you you covered a lot there. Um, I I think there's a bit of a a finding mission ahead of us. Um, and when I say us, I'm kind of saying the royal us. I'm not going to be going through the archives. You know, the people that are qualified are going to be doing that. Um, you know that that might happen through public hearings. That might happen through the uh, DoDIG investigation. Um, we, we were talking about this uh, earlier, in fact, um, and we were saying that the government will have, you know, if this stuff has gone into private industry, the government may have paperwork that goes so far and alludes to something outside of government. And we should be able to find that at the very least to kind of start, you know, prying it out of the hands of the these uh, private industry, I was going to say individuals, but groups, it would be by now. Um in terms of where the technology is going to take us um pretty much instant travel is accessible you you know there's a consciousness aspect to this that i find really fascinating um you you know are we gonna when this stuff comes out and we can kind of manipulate electromagnetic waves in ways we couldn't do before are we even going to need stuff like Neuralink implanted into our heads it kind of changes our trajectory of where we think we're going to go um and technological revolutions Usually, like that, you, you know, you you get futurists who predict a hundred years in the future, and they're often wrong because something just comes from left field, and this would be one of those things. Um, but it leads to, and Andy touched on it, spying essentially, and and you you almost need to have a way of controlling this technology before letting it out. Um, and I wonder if we're getting to that point. Lou, Lou Elizondo recently said a, a great analogy um one of one of many that he he has about a silverback gorilla in a cage fiddling with a key in a lock and you, you know the the key's kind of getting closer to that lock and kind of you know unlocking what's behind the door and what's that silverback going to do once he gets out of the cage and it made me think well you, you know there there are zookeepers in this analogy watching that silverback play with the lock um uh, Are they going to let us get this technology? And is that a threat to them? And I wonder if that plays a part in their role in disclosure.
3: What do you think, Alex? What's what's your thoughts?
6: Yeah, I guess I've talked more about this lately just in the last few weeks with some of the things I've read and things that have come out where now, instead of thinking of this as in undisclosure terms as far as are these things real? What does that mean to humanity? I'm thinking of this more as almost like a uh a cold war arms race is kind of what maybe something that's pushing a lot of this as far as really is about the technology who has it who can utilize it um you know because it really is sort of a whoever can get this get control of it whatever that is again it probably will be something that comes out of left field it's sort of a game game over for the the adversaries of that country or entity or whatever so i'm thinking of this more and along, along the lines of you know kind of a, a secret arms race
3: yeah I, I can't disagree with that like it, but i would hope that if the time comes that one of these countries and again this is this is me kind of wishful thinking but they must they must talk in the background and that's something i mentioned earlier well on the the surface russia china and the u.s all hate each other you imagine there's some kind of shadowy talks go on and they must be looking at each other going this this isn't ours it's not yours and it's not yours this is something that you know down the line we might have to kind of work together on a little bit and no doubt their are typical human nature they're all trying to get it themselves first but what does that actually mean when they get it can they use it and then how would they use it because right. then if they've got something else if there's other entities and if it's increasingly likely that something else shares the same physical or non-physical space as us they like if they are the gatekeepers like dan said however you want to use that analogy then what do they do when they give the kids the toys once the kids have got the matches and did they let us play with them did they let to see what we do because you would imagine they saw us using nuclear weapons in 19 in the 1940s and didn't like what we done and uh i imagine that's why they've kept a close eye on us since yeah
6: i'd have to agree with that that's kind of the last kind of the cap on that is, we had we got in possession of this from someone. Chances are we're in contact with them somehow, using very vague terms. But will they let us play with the toys we end up getting our hands on? That's the final kind of domino, I suppose.
3: And, and when you look at like nuclear atomic energy and all that kind of stuff, it's got some incredible uses. I remember reading like you could basically turn your your mobile phone into a very very small nuclear reactor and have a battery that never never died, you never had to be charged, and it was kind of ever-ending, but you can't trust people to, to not buy a batch of them and blow them up, unfortunately. um, right. I remember when the PlayStation 2 came out, and there was rumours Saddam Hussein had bought thousands of them to make some supercomputer in Iraq, and it's just yeah. <laughs> if this is like PlayStations and mobile phones, like Dan said, if you the, the idea that once we get this technology and we can, you know, Alex, we could have this conversation face to face, Dan and I could come over and visit you in a couple of minutes' time, but you can't trust people given what we've just had the anniversary of a few days ago you can't trust people to not misuse technology like that so it's just there's the the blue sky big picture thinking but i think you've got to always bring it back to as a human race where we are realistically with all the the bs going on in the world and how we can't just do simple things and work together and live harmoniously and all that kind of stuff i just this is going to take a long time a lot of time um, and I still see the the drip 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 continuing, because I dread to think what would happen tomorrow if the aliens landed on the White House lawn.
1: Yeah, Dan, any final thoughts? No, I mean you you guys pretty much covered it really really nicely. Cool, Alex, anything else before you wrap up?
6: I think uh, that I think that's it. You guys do a great job. Appreciate it.
3: Thanks, man. Alex, really appreciate it. And make sure you call in again next time, okay?
6: Definitely will. Thanks, guys.
1: Thank you to Alex from Iowa. Um, we're now uh, live with uh, Tim from San Francisco. How are you doing, Tim?
6: I'm doing great, guys.
0: Uh, thanks for having me on again, Andy and Dan. First time meeting you. Great to yeah, see you. Yeah, it's
1: lovely to meet you. It, it's always nice to to kind of see the listeners. And, and you know, we, we all know there are humans out there in the world, but it's nice to put a face to to the, you know, the social media profile, so to speak.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you guys are in my head and my headphones often throughout the week. So I've heard your voice a lot and I see you on Twitter. So uh, likewise. Cool.
1: What would you like to talk about today?
0: Where to start? There is so much going on right now. The last day, um, I think yesterday morning when I woke up to uh, Max Mox- Mo- uh post with Lou, uh, that just about broke my brain. Um, that was pretty incredible um, to hear about the, the forthcoming law. Um, but I think where I want to start with you guys is, is I want to start back to uh, listener questions with Lou. Um, I, I'm going to I'm going to do this in three parts with you. This is going to be a, a gratitude sandwich because I want to start with saying thank you, Andy, for asking Lou my question. Incredibly meaningful to me that you did that. Um, for for those of you listening, I, I asked about you know what what's the current leading hypothesis supported by the facts in relation to the phenomenon. Um, And his answer was incredible. Um, I I really loved that Luke covered, um, you know, the fact that number one, there are many different hypotheses, that there's split camp within the Pentagon. Um, People aren't subscribing necessarily to one or the other at this point. And, um, you know, and that he really needed to leave open room for more data as he gets more data. So he can't assert any kind of leading hypothesis at this time, which I kind of figured he would say that, but he, he really strung it out there about, you know, extraterrestrial and, and interdimensional. His, his comment on time was incredible. Um, well, you know, and he said that before, I believe, uh, on your podcast, Andy. And so I was just floored. And uh, like I said, I'm just super grateful that you guys were able to ask him.
3: No, thanks. I think I actually almost interrupted the great man himself uh, when he started mentioning the analogy again, and I was like, i oh, we've only got forty minutes, and I don't want to waste it with a couple of minutes of him repeating <laughs> it." But uh, he went off on a, a tangent quite quick. But uh, yeah, no, I was I was happy with his answer. But it sounds like we're getting that that sandwich where we've got some meat in the middle that's going to be not so complimentary. That's what I want to get to.
0: <laughs> not so complimentary okay great well um following on to that um let's talk about um you know the the newly uh newly slated laws that's, that might be put forward um you know you guys have already mentioned on your recap i believe uh, this morning or last night whenever it was released um you were talking about some of the bullets of what was coming down the pipeline with this new law um the thing that set off the twitter twitter sphere yesterday was obviously the two uh, the two um kind of shocking points in language that Lou mentioned in that broadcast that I was talking about, which is number one, um, any kind of crash retrieval efforts or, um, you know, retrievals in general and objects. Um, That language is is astounding to me. And then also, um, you know, including a line for biological effects, and how that's going to kind of tilt the conversation in a different direction that they're actually going to have to gather data on this. You guys already spoke about, you know, Lockheed Martin and whether or not, you know, we're going to be able to get, you know, some kind of chain of custody of these things once they're in the private sector, who knows how that's going to play out. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm shocked that this language is even, you know, in any part of legislation. Um, I never thought I lived through this time. I mean, what are your guys' other thoughts on those two things?
1: Did you see the, um, a few hours back and and it's going to make the, the listener call in sound jarring now because a bunch of time passed in, in between uh, the, the last chunk we did. And in that bunch of time, the debrief released a kind of breakdown of of the, uh, the NDAA. And in it, um, Tim McMillan states that they've been extremely active behind the scenes for the past year and a half, two years, but they just haven't publicly been talking about it. So I was really excited to hear that because it just makes me think, well, who else in government is taking it this seriously and has this much insight into it that they're asking, you know, directly for this stuff that they, they, it sounds like they very, very heavily suspect that they have crash retrieval stuff. Um, otherwise they wouldn't ask that specific question. Same with biological effects. Um, so, yeah, it's great. It's nice to see that people are versed in it um, and that there could be a lot more helpers in the shadows than than people trying to pull the wall over
0: our eyes. Absolutely. And, you know, for me, Dan, that also lends to some of Lou's other words where, you know, he's waiting for somebody to come, quote unquote, pick up the torch for him. He's saying that there are people on the inside that are more well versed, that are uh, more maybe... Uh, well-equipped to take on uh, the lead of this. And so hopefully those folks are the same people that are, you know, lending their expertise to legislation like this. Um, you, you know, it it sounds like that's the case. It sounds like um, there are definitely a select few people in the Pentagon that are targeting in um, very clearly on some of this language uh, and some of, uh, you know, kind of these breadcrumbs that, that Lou and Chris Mellon and others have laid. Um, and I know I've talked about them a lot, but Um, I think it's really important just to, you know, to note that at this time and say, you know, look at all of these things that we've been discussing for years now that are actually coming to light, that are actually moving in a tangible way forward, um, which uh, is astonishing to me. What do you think, Andy?
3: I am still, yet the language is amazing, especially after all of the furore that happened when we thought we were going to get a crash retrieval programs article in the New York Times and it never quite came out as people hoped um, due to things at the time and now we're getting it in, in official government legislation. A lot can still change in those bills. The language will change before they get they get potentially passed as well. I still just don't see that any any crashed materials or craft, especially intact, would be with any kind of government body still, and they would be well hidden away, like I said I uh, said on the, the update earlier on, um, in the bowels of Lockheed, Bass, whatever these things may be, um, Department of Energy, in the bowels of that, and hidden in so much red tape, it's not even red tape anymore, you know, the tape dispensers ran out. Um, so, yeah, I, I just find it incredible that, there's and obviously Lou and Chris and, and the guys that have been successful in getting this put through because these these bills and laws that sorry these um bills haven't just been put through overnight this is stuff that's been in the background for some time for months probably a long long time maybe maybe over a year who knows um but they've used the language they've used for a reason and it's a success just to get that language in there i still don't see that the government's got anything in any way shape or form that they could admit to having or would have to admit to having. Um, And I don't see why they would have it either.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. I I also tend to interpret this, you know, laws that are drafted like this or language that's that's drafted in such a way where it kind of begs the question. It's like any time that Chris Mellon puts out a statement on his blog, and he's asking specific questions from specific parts of our government, um, and/or of certain parts of industry, and/or of certain people. Every time Mr. Mellon releases something like that, I read it as he probably already has a good idea of the answers to these questions. So yeah. I feel like if him and Lou, and/or you know these other you know folks who are still in the shadows who are crafting this language, they're begging the question. They know something. They know a channel to go through. They know. That the potentiality of something that something might, um, you know, exist in uh, in a tangible way that we can go after that they can go after if they, you know, posit the language in a right way. So I, I hope that that's where we're going with this. Um, like I said, you guys mentioned this earlier too that it, it's not law yet. This is just a draft. Um, this is not final language, um, but it gives me a lot of hope. Uh, you know, I I liken my reaction yesterday to lose words about that specific language to reading. You know, the comment from Eric Davis in the July uh, 2020, July 23rd, 2020 article in the New York Times where he referenced crash retrieval programs and the Senate was briefed on that. That was incredible to me. Um, yeah. And I know that some people have made, have played that down and that he's since, you know, denied that comment or whatnot. But it was still important to me that that was put in a New York Times article. This gave me the same reaction. So I'm, I'm hopeful overall. And um, I, I, it's going to be a really interesting few months. Um, and with that, I can't wait to hear you talk to uh, Ross Colhart um, about some of these developments and and see what his insight is into it. Um, you know, There's some serious players now. And uh, uh, I'm going to wrap this up by giving you the gratitude sandwich that I said that I would. So thank you, Andy. And thank you, Dan, for doing what you're doing. You mentioned that you're not a media outlet. You're a grassroots movement. I would disagree. You may not be making your living off of this yet. And that's fine. But what you do for us is incredibly important. And your voice has been so important in the last 18 months on this subject. And I think all of your listeners, uh, you know, can can atone to that as well. Um, And, you know, for me personally, I've just been thrilled to be involved in the conversation and you've let me do that here. So thank you.
3: Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah we'll send you that cash uh, later on oh wait that's a recording. <laughs> no, yeah no thank you Tim. I, I appreciate that and like i i, I genuinely mean these are the kind of fun shows and um we, we've not even mentioned yet but the the youtube live we done last night that was a test Um, people quite enjoyed that we we said before that um we said on the youtube live that there's plenty of other youtube channels out there and we don't plan on copying anyone um the, the YouTube's an outlet we've got some ideas for. It's been there for quite a while. Um, Unidentified Celebrity Review, Project Unity, Ryan Sprague, Christina Gomez all have their YouTube channels, and I think they consider them, themselves YouTube channels before podcasts, and we are still very much a podcast. But there's a couple of things we want to do on the YouTube, um, especially to get listeners involved at like yourself as well, where uh, we can, we can use that medium that we can't necessarily do as well as we would like on on audio so uh people can keep an eye out on that for for getting involved and it's always good to have the listeners doing that too for that kind of instant reaction and stuff but that and the listener call ins are the the most kind of fun stuff we do so it's appreciated
0: well i look forward to seeing more and you know if you're doing it on youtube everybody can uh, see you turn red when people thank you so uh,
3: <laughs> that's why, when, that's in why the
0: i said more <laughs> yeah cheers tim
3: thank you very much man pleasure speaking
0: nice to thank meet you Thanks Andy As always you. appreciate it
3: guys Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, UAP, A, M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see.
6: It wasn't a tic-tac in that quite a- Like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of The little fucker hovered right inside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue.